Playboy and you go to episode seven of Take It Black. I'm Jack Lattimore. Yerda Morung, I'm Ray Johnson. Good to have you back, Ray. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a few weeks, I think, since uh, you've co-hosted an episode of Take It Black. You benched yourself when we were talking footy, and then I understand <laughs> you self-isolated for a week, and then I was on the road to deliver last week's episode focused on my Madelab. That's right, Jack. Uh, anyone who knows me knows how little I know about footy. I'm an absolute disgrace. Uh, but yeah, I had a bit of a sore throat and a cough and a sniffly nose. And because it's better to be safe than sorry, that means I've been keeping myself away from as many people as possible. Because like everyone else on the planet, I'm pretty much focused on the COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic right now. And that's what this episode of Take It Black will be about as well. Answering everyone's questions, separating facts from fiction. We've got a bit of a everything you need to know. And we're recording in pretty extraordinary circumstances in terms of our setup. You're on the phone in Sydney. Usually we're in a studio. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 is, uh, that is where I am. I am on my phone. I'm in my wardrobe. <laughs> uh, I've got my phone, my microphone, I've got my laptop in front of me glowing in the dark. I'm sitting on a cushion. It's pretty cramped. I've got a small wardrobe. This is where I'm recording from. Uh, if you head to my Instagram, you'll see a, a really lovely photo of my setup I've got, actually. You may need to pop the door a little bit because we're sounding a little bit like you're underwater and I am in the submarine, uh, which is what I call the bottom bunk of my son's bunk beds in his room, and I've created, well, he and I have created a pillow fort, which is also a podcasting recording studio. We've got dunas up, we've got pillows stuffed uh, into the sides against the wall, um, and I'm sitting in the dark, and it's just the glow... Uh, the colourful glow from the mobile podcast recording kit or the deck that I have. So, yeah, we've kind of cobbled this together, this episode, which I kind of like, Ray, because uh, part of the discipline that interests me about podcasts is low budget, low fi And, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing this. I had a go at it last episode for the Revolutionary Music uh, episode that came out of the Woe Adelaide trip, recorded on the road. Um, I'm kind of glad I did because I ironed out a lot of kinks doing that and uh, we could be doing Take It Black like this for the foreseeable future, Ray. Oh, gosh. I didn't even think of that. We could be doing this for a really long time. We better get good at it. <laughs> well, we've got... <laughs> Hopefully, we're still going to be able to access our post-production people uh, to polish it up for us. But yeah, I mean, this is really a throwback to past days. Uh, feels a bit like um, the guerrilla radio, alternative radio, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the great things about podcasting is that it's accessible to so many people now. You know, And I think with so many people around the world, yeah, either in self-isolation or forced isolation uh, by their government, depending on, on what kind of measures 
their, their local government has made. It's, it's a really good way of getting your stories out into the world and to kind of take control of the media a little bit. So we can, you know, hide away in wardrobes all over the world and, and tell everyone what's happening. And it still connects us. And in our town. That's right. It connects us as well, Ray. It still um, fosters that sense of community too, which is important when we are self-isolating. Now, let's talk self-isolation. Let's talk all things COVID-19, coronavirus. What have we got on the slate today? Yeah, so we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the PM's press conference that was held on Wednesday morning. Uh, We're going to be doing a little bit of a and a using questions that have been asked by our listeners and by our viewers on NITV. And we have sourced a whole bunch of answers to these questions from experts and research. And we're going to do a bit of a wrap of what's locked down, what's cancelled, what's closed, suspended, postponed, on hiatus, called off. There's a lot of things that aren't happening anymore and I think it's probably important that we go over those, but there's some things that might still be going ahead. Yeah, we've got... uh, And there's also ways that we can support still organisations, communities, artists, people that are suffering from everything being shut down as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, I think AFL and NRL are the only things, and maybe A-League, that are still going ahead, it feels like. Everything else shut down. Yeah, and uh, Gama might still be happening, but we'll see what happens there. Most things have been completely suspended or cancelled, though, uh, which is the safe thing to do, but it also presents the same for, for not only the attendees, but the people who were relying on these festivals for a major source of their income. And we, we don't know what kind of you know, benefit anyone will get, any kind of compensation anyone will get from the government in regards to this. You know, this is an unprecedented thing, so we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, there's still so many questions being asked out there in community by our mobs right now. Um, yeah, for sure. And a very little clarity being provided from our government, our federal government. I think the states and territories have been a little bit clearer up to this point. And certainly what we've heard from the federal government conflicts with some of the things that we're witnessing and hearing from um, internationally. Yeah, not only internationally, but also anecdotally, locally. Yeah, we're, we've been given a whole lot of information about you know, when to go get tested and how to make that happen. And then people's actual experiences of trying to access these services have been you know, completely off base. You know, people who should be being tested for COVID-19 are being turned away from clinics because they don't meet specific criteria or the clinic is not informed of people's contact with confirmed cases. So there's a lot of confusion happening out there and hopefully we can help clarify a little bit of that today. And Ray, let's work through answering some of those questions that our viewers uh, on NITV and listeners from the Take It Black podcast have put to us. Sure, let's do it. Well, let's start at the top. What are the symptoms that we should be on the lookout for? So the problem that we've got here is that COVID-19 coronavirus, you'll get much the same symptoms as if you just had a regular flu 
or a cold. So there needs to be specific things to keep an eye out for. If you've got a dry cough with an itchy throat, if you have difficulty breathing, uh, and especially if you have a fever, you really need to be keeping an eye out for that. A lot of places won't test you if you don't have a fever as well as the other symptoms, but they definitely won't test you unless you've been overseas in the last 14 days or been in contact with a confirmed case of COVID-19. The best thing to do if you're worried about any of the symptoms that you have is to call the helpline. There is a helpline that you can call. The number is one 800 020080. They're saying don't go straight to the doctor at the moment. You call the helpline first. And there's also a website, healthdirect.com.au, that has a quiz that you can do that has a whole bunch of symptoms. It's, it's like a symptom checker. If you qualify certain criteria, it tells you what the next best thing that you should be doing is. So you could very well be sitting at home with a dry cough, itchy throat, have difficulty breathing, have a fever. But unless you can show that you've been overseas in the last 14 days or you've been in contact with someone who has tested positive, it's actually unlikely that you will have access to a test yourself. So the best thing that you can do is to look after yourself. Obviously, contact triple uh, zero if you have difficulty breathing at any point if things are getting tough for you and, you, and you're worried about things. Um, and just isolate yourself from as many people as possible while trying to look after yourself, really. It's, it's pretty tricky. It is tricky. And there's a few points you made there that we will touch on again when we discuss uh, Wednesday morning's presser that involved the PM, Scott Morrison, and the Chief Medical Officer, Brendan Murphy. But let's press ahead just for the moment. Um Am I allowed to go for a walk in the open air, bushwalking, hiking, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, unless you have been quarantined, unless you're someone who has been told to self-isolate for 14 days because you've come back from overseas or unless you've tested positive and you should be in isolation, hiking, bushwalking is fine. I would always recommend walking with someone but stick to people that you already live with uh, rather than adding new people to your mix of people that you're socialising with. I'd also not do anything risky that might mean you may need medical attention. Uh, our health services are already under enough pressure without you know, dealing with your, your twisted ankle because you've gone down a, a path that you're not familiar with. But I, I genuinely believe that getting out, getting out bullish. Uh, you know, going for a hike, breathing in the fresh air, getting away from the city is probably a really good idea if you do it. Just minimise contact with other people on the trails. Make sure they're keeping the subtle distancing up. If you need to buy a national park pass or anything, try to do it along before you go out. Minimise contact with people at the booth uh, and stay safe. Excellent advice. I don't have any trouble there. I'm just laying on the couch in front of Netflix, <laughs> uh, the most activity. I'm, we're self-isolating at home. I'm just hammering the Xbox 360 Connect, Ray. Amazing. I've been playing Beat Saber with the PlayStation VR, so getting your exercise while you're at home as well. There's, there's a couple of YouTube tools that I recommend too. Yoga with that is really good. Uh, and 
Splendor. They do some really good little body weight exercises because you know, even though most of the gyms aren't closed, you are highly likely to come into contact with a lot of bacteria, viruses and germs in a closed environment. So I'm playing it safe and st- staying away from the gym. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that a lot of the gyms are still open and they're practicing social distancing measures as well and they're doing deep cleans and then minimizing the number of people that could be in classes and making sure people stay separate from each other. Uh, but there are definitely ways to stay fit at home and it's still okay to take the dog for a walk too. You, you just really need to keep that one and a half meters between yourself and other people and don't go around hugging everyone and shaking hands and kissing people on the cheeks. Just stay away. Don't touch people. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of cleaning, what are good household cleaning products for surfaces? Are we talking bleach, domestos, you know, break out the steam cleaner? Do I have to sterilize stuff? Um, what's the good routine? And I guess around... Um, how long does a virus stay on stuff? Yeah, well, the latest research, we're, we're learning so many things about this virus as we go. Our, our scientists and researchers are working over time to understand everything about it and, and try to work out a way to kill it. So this virus can last up to three days on surfaces is the latest research that's come out. So you need to clean the ones that you're touching the most often. So clean down your kitchen bench, clean down your bathroom, you know, anything that you're touching, doorknobs, light switches. This is a good time if you can to get some automated uh, things in your home. I reckon, you know, grab a, a Google Home or, or an Alexa and, and try to automate your lights. So get it delivered. Voice. Get it delivered. Don't go out. Get it delivered. No, no, get it delivered. Don't, don't go out. They'll, they'll start delivering things with drones soon. You watch. Um, but yeah, a good reminder as well is to make sure that you're washing your hands several times a day. I set a reminder on my phone for like every hour or so. A little alarm will go off, and I'll just go wash my hands again. Antibacterial products are useless with this particular virus because. Is this the gel, the gel stuff you're talking about? Yeah, no, not the, not necessarily the, the sanitizer. The hand sanitizer mm. will help with things. You just cut out there. Do you but, want to repeat that one? Yeah, sure. The the hand sanitizer is is fine. It won't kill it, but it'll you know it'll help keep things clean. But antibacterial products in particular, so you know your antibacterial wipes, you know anything that is like dead all basically because this isn't a bacteria it's a virus so it's not going to kill it what kills it is bleach and soap so anything that's not on your body use bleach anything that's on your body use soap that's the easiest way to go about it it's also the cheapest too I just get a bottle of bleach dilute it you don't need fancy products yeah I just spray that diluted bleach all over myself not on your skin <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm going crazy, but I don't know. Maybe it's cabin fever. Yeah, please don't spray bleach on yourself. Bleach on things that aren't skin. <laughs> now, um, if we have a chronic illness or weak immune systems, should we just self-isolate with our families as soon as we can? Yes. <laughs> you, you 
Absolutely should. I, I don't think that the government's been clear enough on this advice. No, it if you have an compromised immune system and you know, if you have people in your family that are you know, at risk and susceptible, if you can, if it's possible, please self-isolate. I, I, I just think that it's much better to be safe than sorry. And there are people out there, I've seen them walking around, coughing on stuff, coughing on people, sneezing, touching stuff with their hands. And I know that we shouldn't be panicking. Mm-hmm. Panicking's another thing altogether. But there's people out there that really aren't making sure that they're looking after everyone else. There's they're all... being really selfish. And if there's someone in your family that's sick, if you can stay home, just please stay home. You'll hear a lot from people at the moment about what's called flattening the curve. And what they're talking about is is the pandemic curve. You might see these graphs online where the rate of infection just keeps doubling and doubling and doubling when it gets to a certain point. And, you know, where there might have been five new cases yesterday, there's 100 new cases today. And the only way to stop that rise in infections or to help contain it is to isolate ourselves as much as possible to help stop the spread because you you or I might be sick. We might be carrying this virus and we have no idea. And because we don't have access to the test, we won't know that we are the ones carrying it around and and giving it to people. So if you can self-isolate, whether you have a compromised immune system or not, I say do it, but especially if you're already sick. I I think it's just the safest thing to do. Absolutely. And unfortunately, even amongst people I know and family, in certain areas, they're saying that this is just another flu, uh, that it's just another uh, scenario like in 2009 when the swine flu uh, was made a big issue of, but... It's a little bit more than that, isn't it, Ray? I mean, is there any harm in self-isolating, flattening the curve, even if we're wrong, even if all of the indication, all of the science is wrong, it seems like it's still the most sensible thing to do? Absolutely. There is no harm in self-isolating. There are only benefits uh, for self-isolating from a broader population perspective. I think it is important to recognise that self-isolating is a lot harder for some people than others. It's not possible for some people, uh, depending on their jobs, that they still might have to go to, especially if you're working in healthcare. Or supermarkets. Uh, Exactly, exactly. And it's hard for some people to self-isolate as well if you are already dealing with mental health issues. It's particularly hard if you have depression and you have to be on your own. Uh, so working out ways to maintain contact with the outside world still is really important. Obviously, I'm a big advocate for video games. I reckon everyone should be jumping online and playing video games together at this point in time if you can. Um, but no, there's no harm in self-isolating and, and helping to stop the spread of this at all. Uh, obviously, there's measures that you need to put into place in your own life to make that possible. But if you can do it, do it. Please do it. It's, it's just the best thing, seeing people out in bars and clubs and, and things here in Australia when you're in New York or LA or, you know, even obviously look at Italy as well. Everything is shut down to help stop this spread. 
and we've got people just carrying on like as though nothing's happening. It's it's not being paranoid. It's being safe. It's being smart is what it is. Exactly. Lock it down. Exactly. All That's right. it. That's it. Can I get this bloody thing twice? We don't know. <laughs> this is the best thing. Is it going to be like that time I got chicken pox again? <laughs> we don't know enough about this particular virus to know whether or not you can get it twice. There have been some cases. I believe there was one case where there was a, a man who tested positive, recovered, tested negative, and then tested positive again. However, they don't know if that was just the test because these tests are being developed and refined as well. So it's all just so new. And you know, keep in mind, it usually takes years and years of a virus like this to have tests developed, to have vaccines developed, to find out everything that we need to know in order to fight it. Everyone's working overtime at, at full pelt to get this sorted. We just don't know at this point. So if you have tested positive and recovered, I don't think that you should be wandering around like as though, you know, you're, you're all good now and everything is safe. I think you still need to be playing it safe, still wash your hands, still maintain social distancing, self-isolate if you can. It might take a while for this to all pass over. Now, I'm going to throw this one in. Um, is it a virus that only affects or impacts the elderly? No, this is a huge myth. Um, you are more susceptible to it if you are elderly. Uh, we don't quite know why, but you know, a lot of the research is pointing to it being something more impacted by elderly people because they do have uh, compromised immune systems. Um, we have had more cases of elderly people uh, you know, contract the virus. But there's also cases of people in their 20s and 30s you know, getting coronavirus and dying from this. It's not something that won't affect you because of your age. Obviously, it's going to impact the elderly more. That's what we know. But you, you're not immune because you're young. And in fact, you could be carrying it and just not have any symptoms and be passing it along it's also to the, people. That's right. It's also the case that we've seen in Italy already, that people exactly. in their 30s and their late 20s who have no underlying risks in terms of health issues are contracting the virus and, and you know, some of them are dying. Exactly. So I don't think that it's to assume that anyone is exempt from this. We all need to be being as careful as possible. I, I, I think that that's just the best way forward. And I'll throw another one at you uh, just off the cuff. Is there any, or where are we at with coming up with anything that can combat COVID-19? We're about 18 months away from a vaccine for this. Um, in terms of treatments, it's still being developed as well. I, I think at the moment, everyone's just doing their best with what they have and the information that they have. Honestly, 18 months to develop a vaccine is an incredible turnaround. That is unprecedented. And there are human trials being conducted at the moment in the US. So we are moving faster on this than we have moved on any kind of viral infection anywhere previously. Um, but we're still a long way away. And I don't think that we can just be 
thinking that we can, you know, we've, we've got a vaccine around the corner and everything's going to be okay. I think the, the best thing that we can do at the moment is to maintain hygiene as much as humanly possible. Um, keep that social distancing, self-isolate if you can, and keep an eye on your symptoms. Hopefully, I'm hoping that our government will expand the testing um, to more people because we are getting more and more cases of people that are just getting it from each other here in Australia yeah. as opposed to getting it from people who have come from overseas. And we're also Those working cases, off a false false data model at the moment because exactly. it's only people that are coming back in imported cases uh, is the term that was used in the press conference on Wednesday by Brandon Murphy um, yep. but there's no it, it doesn't provide us with any insight into transmissions amongst you know for want of a better word resident community yeah exactly we, we simply have no idea of what our true numbers of people that are carrying or you know are, are currently dealing with COVID-19 are because that testing just isn't as widely available as it needs to be. Uh, obviously, a shortage of testing is an issue, as it has been in the US. We had uh, you know President Donald Trump over there saying that everyone who needs access to a test will have one, and then you know, other members of his government turned around and went, yeah, we, we actually don't have enough tests for that. So it's obviously incredibly likely that we're dealing with the same issue here in Australia. Um, you know, we're, I don't believe that we're getting full transparency on all of this. I, it does seem like a lot of decisions are made in order to have the least impact possible on the economy right now, as opposed to actually looking after the health of all of our people here. So, look, I'm... I'm a little bit worried. I'm I'm alert, not alarmed. Coming to you from the floor of my wardrobe in self isolation. Well, we'll um, we will get to those issues shortly. Let's just round off a couple more questions that are really pertinent to our mobs. Now, sure. smoking ceremonies. Uh, yeah. We had a question come in. Said, "I'm wondering if smoking ceremonies have been used before to help respiratory problems." Uh, I've seen yes. them used to keep away infection, etc. It's been scientifically proven that they can and they do. Uh, and apparently this virus doesn't like hot temperatures. That's right. The virus doesn't like hot temperatures, um, which is a worry as we go into cooler weather. Um, but, yeah, looking specifically at smoking ceremonies. So um, Amy Bush in particular, where, when you heat the leaves, you know, the, the smoke that is emitted has an antimicrobial property, which, which means it kills microorganisms, including bacteria and viruses. So a smoking ceremony could absolutely help with COVID-19. We, we don't know. It's worth a shot. It can't hurt. Um, and it has helped with respiratory issues in the past as well. So I, I reckon let's do it. <laughs> Let's just smoke the whole country. <laughs> well, we've just seen that as well recently. Uh, that's the other thing that I've been reading overnight. Um, some of the, the the nature reaction, nature's reactions to the measures that humans, society has had to take in regards to the, the coronavirus. Uh, we've seen uh, through satellite imagery. Uh, the levels of pollution drop in the last three or four weeks, f to a phenomenal drop. 
Um, we're seeing swans on the canals of uh, Venice, things like that. Yeah. Nature moving back into these spaces where society is operated exclusively for a period and had such detrimental in effects uh, on the climate and on the environment. And it's just it's one of those things that you kind of see in science fiction movies, right? Oh, it's incredible. Um, it, it really does highlight the, the massive, massive impact we are having on the environment, on this planet. It's like genuinely wonderful to see you know, things regenerating and, and clearer water in the canals in Venice and the fact that that could happen within you know, a, a week or two as opposed to years. You would anticipate that a reversal of pollution like that would take years, but it just really does highlight what impact we have and that itself is, is quite scary too because this, this isn't going to be forever, obviously. And that recovery won't last forever either. I'm hoping that people might look at things like that and it might help change their behaviour yeah. about, you know, what they do and how they do it and well, that's right. you know, see that change is possible. I think when we're, when we're in a world where we're talking about, oh, what difference can one person make in regards to things like climate change, I, I think that this highlights the difference that one person can make when it's, you know, everyone working together. Not everyone needs to be perfect in how they look after the environment, but we need everyone to try. Yeah, and I, I think this might provides us you know, with different perspectives on scenarios and circumstances that we haven't taken the time, perhaps, uh, to consider in yeah. fully uh, previously. Um, yeah, some of the absolutely. positives around coronavirus, I guess. But look, <laughs> what uh, final question is, uh, and this one's important for our mobs, what are the risks risks with attending sorry business and funeral services and how can I safeguard yeah. myself? Obviously, if you know, you've been off country and you're heading back home, uh, there are risks there that you might be you know, carrying the virus back into the community um, and yeah, the, there are communities that have completely shut down to anyone coming back home now uh, and you know, to any outsiders, obviously, visiting is, has shut down, particularly in APY lands, um, parts of the Northern Territory as well. Obviously, gatherings over you know, certain numbers of, numbers of people as well. So, you know, Indoor gatherings of 100 people, outdoor gatherings of 500 people have been banned by the government. Um, I personally believe that those numbers are still too high. Uh, and I think we, it's, it's really, it's really, really difficult and really, really difficult times, obviously. You know, sorry, business is incredibly important. But you, I, I think that we all need to be looking at and, and weighing up the risks of. You know, heading home and exposing our old people to this virus who will not have the same access to you know, healthcare um, that, you know, mob in the city will. So, yeah, I, I, it's, 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 this is the toughest one, I think. Yep. Um, but obviously it's a, it's a you know, decision to be made within, within your own mob, within your own family. Uh, but the general advice is to, to not head back home if there is any risk at all that you have been in touch with anyone that has 
contracted this virus at all. Yeah, if this virus gets into our remote communities and our elderly and vulnerable are affected by it, it will be devastating. Absolutely. It, it will be completely devastating. We're you know, talking about people already with you know, in compromised immune systems, you know, dealing with, you know, huge rates of things like diabetes and it's just an, another thing thrown into the mix that will make life extremely difficult. You know, and we're, we're talking about, you know, households where you've got multiple people, you know, living under one roof, you know, but things like overcrowding and access to, you know, fresh water and, and things like that might be an issue in some of these places, as we know. Um, and that will only compound the problem here. You know, when you're talking about needing to maintain a sterile environment as possible with as little people as possible, you know, taking this virus into areas where that is just an impossibility is, is, is not going to end well. Yeah, it seems as though so many of those uh, measures of uh, and, and issues within the closing the gap spectrum... Um, are really at the fore with the introduction of something you know, as deadly as this virus. Um, and, you know, we just, it's too much ground to make up uh, and it's too valuable to lose, you know, these people from our Yeah, communities. absolutely. You know, when you, when you think about the general population of Australia being at risk of this, you know, when, when you, when you look at our communities, the, the risk is even higher. Like, obviously there's no data on this. No one's done a specific study into it yet, but yeah, it, we're we're vulnerable communities, so you just can't risk it. It's that's my that's my you know <laughs> non-expert advice on this as as someone who's just been reading a lot and talking to a lot of people is just don't risk it. Well, we've heard from experts uh, this week. I mean, NITV went and spoke with Chris Rella Baker. Um, that's right. And he stressed that he's he stressed firstly that the peak of COVID nineteen is he expects it to be around May or June, and I've heard it may even be as far back as August. That's the peak, so we're still in the infancy of where this virus is at and our response to it. Um, Absolutely, and what we do in this period of time is crucial as to how much of an impact this virus is going to have on the population. So you know, the more people you're exposed to at this point, the, the more likely this is to spread, and that's for people who are carrying it or not. You know, we just don't know who, who we're coming into contact with yeah. um, and, and where they've been and who they've been in contact with themselves. So, yeah, yeah Doctor... self-isolation, hand-washing, keeping everything clean, and, and just unfortunately in, yeah. in times like this, you know, if if you're not home already, yeah, lock it probably down. Probably don't go back. Lock it yeah. down, Ray. Now, lock do- it down. Lock it down. Doctor Ella Baker also emphasised that he his major concern is with uh, the vulnerable within remote communities. So yes, the experts absolutely. they're aware of it. Pat Turner is a uh, and the Nacho the, uh, the the advisory group to cabinet. Um, they're right on top of it. They're saying. Even Michael Gunner, the, the chief uh, minister in the NT, considering shutting down the borders of the NT, everyone yep. is aware of how deadly and devastating this could be if it gets into our remote communities. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just me saying it, it's all the experts too. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about that presser. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday's uh, press conference between the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and the Chief Medical Officer, Brandon Murphy. Now, there was a few interesting and confusing points made during that presser, right? Yeah, there certainly were. I think the one that got the most vocal backlash online in particular I saw was the decision to have schools remain open. Uh, And this is in what could only appear to me to be in direct contradiction with the ban on gatherings of people. Um, Obviously there's, there's rural and remote schools that only have small amount of students, but most of the students, most of the schools in Australia have more than a hundred students, have more than 500 students even. So to be having them gathered in one area and expect them not to touch each other. Yeah. (laughs) Have have they met kids? Like, they're licking each other's faces right now at school, I guarantee you. (laughs) Now, Wales and Scotland, uh, overnight Wednesday, our time, uh, they closed, they they announced they were going to close schools by Friday. Now, this was mere nine, 12 hours after we heard from the PM and the chief medical officer uh, around, you know, using language like it's in the national interest for schools to remain open. The PM said that. The PM also said the virus operates differently for younger people. Now, we know, the world knows that that isn't necessarily the case, as we discussed just before. Um, Absolutely. But then there was this contradictory language used, like children can be asymptomatic. Now, yeah, there were a lot of contradictions happening there. Yeah, at the same time, children aren't at risk. You know, it's fine for all children to hang out with each other, but also children might be carrying this, and we don't know. It was it was incredibly confusing. Yeah, yeah. Now there was also some uh, confusion around uh, Dr. Murphy's. Um, saying that every citizen has to think about their interactions with other people. We all need to practice social distancing. He described the social distancing and self-isolation as sensible practices. Uh, But then by the same, in the same press conference, we had so much rhetoric going towards malls are okay, shopping centres are okay, get out there, you know, that old... Continue to live your life like nothing else. And just the, the the focus or the economy seemed to be centred, as you said earlier, rather than yeah. public health. Absolutely. And yeah, I think one of the arguments for having the schools remain open was so that the parents of these kids who happen to work in essential services, you know, such as electricity, gas, you know, supermarkets, healthcare, obviously, you know, could continue to get to work, but then what is the what is the reasoning then behind the unis staying open? I don't know too many university students that need to be supervised by their yeah. by their parents if they're staying home. It, it was just you know, a, a series of very strange seeming decisions made uh, that I believe that we needed a little bit more clarity on. Yep. Um, you know, why is it okay for shopping malls to stay open? I understand keeping a supermarket open so that we can you know, 
still have access to the fresh fruit and vegetables and you know, things that we need to survive that we are not in short supply of, mind you, that needs to be put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, keeping things like universities open makes absolutely zero sense to me. I, I don't understand, especially in this day and age when most unis are equipped to be able to do remote lectures. Yeah, well, most it, of the kids don't go to don't attend uh, shoots and lectures these days anyway. Exactly. It's uh, it, it was just such a bizarre press conference. I, I think one of one of my favourite parts was being told off in ScoMo's dad voice. <laughs> did you hear his dad voice with the hoarding? Oh yes. <laughs> what, what did he say? It's um, uh, like, silly. Stop or... it! Stop hoarding! Stop it! <laughs> and I'm like, oh come on. <laughs> Yeah. Really didn't need to hear Scomo's dad voice, but also, what is the point in just telling telling people to stop doing something what? instead of addressing the exactly. underlying cause behind why they're doing it? Well, they're you panicked, can't just aren't they? Say to people, people are panicking. People are stocking up on things because they don't know how long it's going to last, what they're going to have access to. What needed to be said was there is no need to panic by because we don't have any shortages of any products right now. It's literally just us not able to get things back on the shelves quick enough because everyone is purchasing it too quickly. We have enough in Australia to go around. And we've got busloads of people now going out to rural towns and stripping their supermarket shelves. And these are places where people have to drive for an hour to get to the local supermarket. They get there and there's nothing there because busloads of people from the city are there hoarding all their meat. What people needed to be told is that we have enough produce in Australia for everybody. So you don't need to hoard it rather than just being told to stop it like as though we're a bunch of insolent children. That's not going to help our fears. It was it was just bizarre. It was it was really strange. It gave me an insight into what it would be like to be one of ScoMo's kids. Well, he spoke about his kids. His kids... Are still going to school. He brought them yeah, and as he's the comfortable example. with that. Yeah, he's comfortable with that. He said many times, "I'm comfortable with my kids still going to school." Uh, I, I just, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely fascinating to me seeing, for example, the reaction from countries all over the world where that curve we spoke about earlier has been flattened, and the measures that they put in place in order for that to happen. And us just blatantly ignoring that to continue with business as usual and instead limiting the amount of tests that we're doing, which artificially deflates the numbers of people that we have testing positive for COVID-19. Yes, our rates of infection aren't higher than any of the other countries because we don't know what they really are. We're only going on the data from the tests. But when you... When you look at Singapore, for example, which was an example that the Prime Minister gave uh, as a country who had kept the schools open and was one of the reasons that they decided to keep our schools open, they're testing every kid that goes to those schools. They're doing temperature tests before they go through the door to make sure that they're all well. We're not That's doing not that. happening here. Yeah. We're not getting any of that here. So we're keeping schools open like other countries that have safety measures put in place that we're not implementing. It's just it's just bizarre decisions. Yeah, well, we keep saying it was a really bizarre and contradictory press conference. It's 
possibly the strangest press conference I've seen since that one uh, that NITV chose not to air between Jacinda Price and Josephine Cashman. Um, <laughs> there was a lot going on, and it was difficult to find a line through it. Now, we had Dr. Murphy again saying that um, short uh, the virus will spread. He was saying the short-term lockdowns do not, chi- do not achieve anything. The virus will spread. That's a quote from him. And every time that he said things that were direct like this, the PM seemed to seize the microphone back. And he, at the end, when he said the virus will spread, the, the press conference was wrapped up really quickly. Uh, which gave oh. you, Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah, well, it, I, I was sitting there having a bit of a chuckle at how strange it was. Um, but then it was unusual seeing on social media, a lot of people were praising the press conference as being a really successful messaging uh, exercise for the PM. I think that may have been a case of people hearing what they wanted to hear. I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that that press conference had a little something for everybody in it. And if you just wanted to cherry pick the information that you wanted to hear, it it was a it was a good press conference for you as as a viewer. But when you look at the overall information and messaging, as you said, Jack, there was so much that was just contradictory. Um, we do know that self isolation does a lot. We we do know that it helps flatten the curve and it helps stop the rate of infection. That's based on not just the experiences of other countries who were hit with this first that we should be turning to for our advice, but also just common sense. It, it, it baffles me how much common sense has absolutely just flown out the window in the face of this. If you've got a bunch of people walking around sick, you stay away from them. Hasn't anyone watched any zombie movie ever? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just... Stay away from the infected. If someone shows signs of infection, isolate them. Stay away from all the infected people roaming around on the streets. Yeah. And if you make go sure into that a you've shopping centre to get through it, lock the shopping centre down. Push right? all the, push all the benches up against the doors. Close the sliding doors. <laughs> arm yourself and get on the roof. That's it. Everyone that's, needs to watch Zombie Land again. <laughs> do, do your cardio. You know, make sure you always wear a seatbelt. But no, in, in all seriousness, because I, I don't mean to make light of this, this is an absolutely devastating uh, illness that is absolutely going to kill people. Yeah. And I don't say that to incite panic in any way. It's because it's what it does. And we need to be playing it as safe as possible and being flippant about it and just trying to continue business as usual is going to be devastating on you know, people who have compromised immune systems, on the elderly, and on more people than we know. So, I, yeah, we, we laugh so that we don't cry, but we need to be being safer than what the advice is at the moment from the government as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there was one aspect of the press conference which I agree with, and that was lifting the restrictions on student nurses to assist um, and this is something that I've read about in articles uh, published internationally, uh, which is about mobilising uh, able people um, to assist with uh, 
the establishment of medical facilities that may that are very likely to be required using schools as uh, facilities to you know makeshift hospital facilities uh, medical centres, those sorts of things. And I think if we've got student nurses, I think the figure that mentioned was around 10,000 that are close to completing their studies or are competent in their studies, there's no reason why they can't be mobilised to assist with what's going to be, by all accounts, uh, even the chief medical officer, this rising number of people uh, and transmissions of the virus. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, this is a pandemic. This isn't just a, a regular you know, day at the hospital. This isn't a one-off accident or emergency. It, this is something that, as everyone has said, will continue to grow and we need as much help as possible. Uh, and we need to be supporting the medical staff that we currently have that is so incredibly overworked and under so much pressure and stress. If we can mobilise you know, 10,000 student nurses, the pressure that that would ease would be enormous and the quality of care for people would go up. You know, we don't want a situation like we've seen in other countries where you've got emergency rooms deciding between treating a 40-year-old and a 60-year-old and that decision means that one of them will die. That's what's happening at the moment. If If we can get more medical assistance on this, we can help avoid things like that happening here. Now, Ray, there's a fair bit that's been closed, cancelled, put on ice, suspended, having a hiatus, whatever you want to call it. Let's run through some of them uh, to see if we can help our listeners. International flights, indefinite ban on going overseas, Historic level four for travel to the entire world. That's where we're at. Yep, you can't leave. Basically, can't leave. <laughs> you can't get on. Can't get on any flights. You can't go anywhere overseas. Uh, and any Australians living overseas are being encouraged to head home as soon as possible. But that is mostly due to the fact that airlines are you know downing their fleets and cancelling a lot of flights as well. So, yeah, international flights. Sorry, sorry if you had a trip to Bali, not go, not going to happen. Um, aviation also in regional areas. Yeah, that's down to down. Yeah. Yeah, and that's to protect vulnerable communities. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, so that's obviously something that is absolutely necessary as well. Now, state and territory borders remain open. Tasmania has changed theirs overnight. Um, yeah, they're now closed uh, to non-essential travellers. Um, and the Northern Territory is considering uh, closing the border as well. Uh, the Tiwi Islands with a fourteen-day oh, Tiwi as well. Is that with a fourteen-day yeah. quarantine? I'm actually not sure on that. I'd have to double check. But yeah, as as far as I know, it's it's just it's just closed. So this is something that it sounds as though it's likely it might be implemented throughout states and territories. Yeah, yeah, I, I would not be surprised if this yeah, so started school, to be implemented. Schools open at the moment. We've spoken about elsewhere in the world, Scotland, Wales overnight will close on Friday. Are you expecting a, a, a change? They say they're monitoring the situation. Are you expecting the PM to 
trundle back out and say, no, no, no. School's off. I think schools will close. Um, I think they're holding out for the school holidays, if I'm honest. <laughs> they're only in a couple of weeks' time or a week for some states. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're, we're going to see schools and unis close. It's going to be just down to absolute necessity because this will keep spreading and we will need to lock things down. Um, obviously, there's a whole bunch of events that have been postponed and cancelled as well. NADOC week has been postponed. JP uh, assured us all on the point last night. He's on the committee, obviously, but uh, it's not cancelled. It's just postponed. Um, But I also saw uh, Luke Pearson on Twitter say that they can't cancel NADOC week because it's not a place. It's it's in our hearts. So (laughs) we we will continue with NADOC week. Um, But, yeah, Laura Dance Festival has been cancelled entirely. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Light Festival in Alice has been postponed. So has the National Native Title Conference. Gama is going ahead as planned at this stage. That's obviously much later in the year, and they're going to change that advice as it happens. Obviously, a whole bunch of festivals and events and Mm -hmm. plays. This is really hitting the arts hard. Sydney Festival. Yeah. Sydney Writers Festival, sorry. Sydney Writers Festival is is gone. We had uh, both Rachel Hocking uh, from NITV and myself. We were appearing on a number of panels and and chatting to a bunch of people and not doing that one anymore. That one's cancelled. Stella Price. Opera House has cancelled all of their upcoming performances as well. Um, Stella Price is not on. I'm not coming up to Sydney next month. No, that one's gone as well. Uh, MoFo down in Tassie has closed, and also the Mona Museum uh, has temporarily closed as well. Blues uh, Fest? Where are we at with Blues Fest? I'm not sure where we're at with Blues Fest. They'd have to shut. They'd have to shut up. They're, they're, they're going to have to. More than 500 people outdoors. It's, yeah. it's just not just not going to be possible. Um, yeah, if there's any way that you can support any of these folks that are, you know, really suffering because they can't perform anymore, please do head to their you know, social media pages and and see how they're calling out for help. You know, they might be selling merch. You might be able to buy some albums from some artists. Yeah. I don't know. Does anyone buy albums anymore? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do they get for a download? A couple of cents? I'm not sure. How that, yeah, a couple, couple of cents for a download. You know, go, go, go buy yourself a film or plum t-shirt. They're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, the, as you've mentioned, the Anzac Day Anzac Services Day, and Memorial. Gone. It's gone. So we're, we're going to have a televised event from the War Memorial. Well, it is Australia's Europe. most important day, right? That's what the PM oh, said. Oh, that's according to the PM. Yep. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was an interesting interesting statement. Um, yeah, um, obviously, Anzac Day is a... Is it very important day for a lot of people and a lot of us as well? I get confused. I don't know if it's January 26 or <laughs> April 25. I get very confused. Well, look, are they recognising the Frontier Wars yet? Because that might uh, no, that might bump it up a little. <laughs> no. Now, sport. Um, Let's get on to some sport. What What can we watch? This is why I'm playing Xbox because. Everything's shut down. I'm a big fan of Liverpool and the EPL. I've got to wait till April before they can take the title, hopefully, with two more games. Um, but in Australia, we've only got uh, NRL and AFL pushing ahead. They're going to have a bit of a tilt at getting or keeping their seasons 
going. Uh, the A-League has condensed its fixtures in the hope of getting through the season, completing it before everything gets shut down. Um, is there anything else that is going? And then we can just say the rest is off. Esports. <laughs> <laughs> Esports are going. Esports um, on the rise. So, yeah, esports are absolutely on the rise. Obviously, any big uh, tournaments that were going to be held in person, any land tournaments uh, are going to have to be cancelled. Uh, but online tournaments, totally fine. So if you know, you're into a bit of Dota or, or a lot, check it out. Maybe watching FIFA tournaments is the closest we're going to get. So. <laughs> you are enjoying that aspect of it, I bet. This is a really good time for video games. Um, absolutely. And and we've had a bunch of new, really great ones released recently as well. So, you know, there's the new Animal Crossing game, if you've got a Switch, uh, the new Doom Eternal game, which is so much fun. I've been playing that one on PC. Uh, I've had the Beat Saber going on the PlayStation VR. Uh, there's the new Ori game, which is so beautiful. I've been playing that one on Xbox Game Pass. There's, there's just so much. There's too much. It's great. Yep. Check them out. That's uh, anything new coming out for Xbox 360, right? <laughs> not, not on the 360 tag. Oh, bless. Um, <laughs> no, but if you do uh, want to upgrade, there are some pretty good bundle deals at the moment. And if you get Game Pass, then you have access to a huge library of games that you don't have to pay for because you're paying for a subscription. It's like Netflix for games. It's great. I'll have Highly to, recommend. Uh, bust open my piggy bank. Yeah, yeah. Smash the piggy bank. Go get yourself even just one of the digital consoles. It's fine. Then you don't have to worry about this. Saves the environment. Take it black. And unfortunately, that's all we've got time for in this special. COVID-19 coronavirus episode of Take It Black. Now, Ray, just before we finish up, I uh, just want to mention news outside of COVID-19. Uh, this week um, on Wednesday in Victoria, we had the announcement um, of the Victorian Stolen Generations Redress Scheme. There's around $10 million in it, but it's not about the money. The Vic Premier Dan Andrews and his Minister for Aboriginal Affairs, Gavin Jennings, was joined by Kutcher Edwards, Mick Edwards, Ever Joe Edwards on Wednesday. Now, they delivered a really powerful statement in response to the announcement, and we're going to listen to that now. We as the, the Edwards family and all Stolen Gens members, we're not here to talk about redress or money or how many tens of millions and how many, how many people involved. We're here to talk about the pain that we've suffered. Not physically, but culturally and spiritually. Imagine if it was done to your child or yours. And the media wants to know how we're feeling now. We've carried this for over 52 years. And it's not about physical pain. You could cut my legs off today, I couldn't give it air. But I've lived with the trauma of being denied my rightful journey in life. I guess for me it's about acknowledging that this has taken 23 years since the tabling of the Bringing Them Home report. Number three of the 54 recommendations that a reparation was sought for us as stolen generations. I still 
stand tall in today's world. I'm in my mid-60s now. I've lived with scars on my soul, which I've hidden for a long time. They're not going to come out and show themselves just because something like money's come along the road. I've missed out on the men's circles, our law, our love and want for our Mother Earth. I don't speak on behalf of myself, I speak on behalf of all those Stolen Gen brothers and sisters that we have come together, we have united to fight for the rights to be acknowledged. I take the courage on behalf of all Stolen Gen's members and our auntie, Auntie Eunice and her family. It is so important that this recognition comes, it is so important that it's that we know that the policies of the past were wrong. And that is all we have time for now. Don't forget to subscribe to Take It Black on your preferred podcasting app. And remember to join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag Take It Black. And while you're there, throw us a follow. Something to keep an ear out for while you're all self-isolating. And until we can bring you the next episode, don't forget to take it black. Always love, always will be, always love, always will be.